I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show, with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. Actually, there's a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, no, no, no. We're going to take a- up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for April 24th, 2014. And tonight we will not be discussing former half-governor Sarah Palin's comments at a recent Ugh. National Rifle Association rally that if she were in charge, waterboarding is how we'd baptize terrorists. Ugh. Why won't we be discussing this? Because Sarah Palin is not in charge Thank of God. anything. She's not in charge of the state of Alaska. She's not in charge of her canceled reality show. <laughs> And given her family's history, she's not really in charge of her own children either. So we're going to go back to not talking about her because as we all learned, when half-Governor Palin tried to run for high office, most Americans decided that a vote for Obama was how they were going to baptize stupid. Well done. Well done, America. Worked all day. We also don't want to talk about the Southern Baptist pastor idiot who compared Ah. speaking out against equal (laughs) rights for homosexuals to speaking out against slavery Mm. in his remarks at the ironically entitled Ethics and Religious Liberty Summit, recently hosted by the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm. Skipping over the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention was founded on a pro-slavery platform in 1845, we would like to point out to the wrong reverend and all his hateful colleagues everywhere that the only people who spend time thinking about and talking about gay sex are gay. So come out of the closet or shut the door tight enough that the rest of us don't have to listen to your identity crisis. Either way, we don't want to talk about it. We will not be discussing the fact that playwright Matthew Lombardo and the producers of his Broadway show Looped have filed suit against the play's former star Valerie Harper for getting cancer. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Okay, we will not be discussing the fact that Lombardo claims Harper conspired to keep her illness a secret from him, (laughs) despite continuing to show up for rehearsals, and that he claims he was left scrambling for a replacement when Harper had just been given only months to live. He's the victim. 
Wow. While the true facts of this case might be beyond our grasp at this point in time, we'd just like to say to you, Mr. Lombardo, if TMZ says your lawsuit is, quote, one of the most tasteless they've ever read, Ouch. perhaps it's time for less lawyering and more introspection. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sad. Mm-hmm. We would further like to point out that when someone refuses to pay their grazing fees on public lands, mm. that means they are refusing to pay all of us what they owe us. <laughs> we, the people, actually own all the public land. The fact that the guy refusing to pay us the million dollars he owes us turned out to be a racist jerk should be filed under, well, duh. We don't understand why the Fox publicans have come to believe that the government is our enemy and somehow separate from us. We figure they're either just stupid or engaged in a disingenuous game of pandering manipulation to further their own selfish ends at the expense of the republic. Yeah. Either way, we're really sick of hearing about it, and we wish fervently that they'd shut up about it already. Can I get an amen? Amen. We will also not be discussing the 42-year-old teacher in Houston, Texas, who was accused of giving her 15-year-old male student a full-contact lap dance in class. Excellent. While other students watched. Oh, my God. Except to say that it was the student's birthday. Happy birthday. And we applaud the honesty (laughs) of the alleged victim who admits to having slapped his teacher on the buttock several times during the performance in question. Well done. Also, we will say that the charge of, quote, having an improper relationship with a student (laughs) seems excessive. (laughs) Does a lap dance really qualify as a relationship now? (laughs) Somebody better warn every old booze hound in the Gulf South, they might all be in a lot more common law marriages than they realize. Hear, hear. Finally, we absolutely do not care where or if the Cardassians are getting married. And we wish that if they really don't appreciate all the paparazzi attention they moan so much about, that they will make more of an effort to keep their tedious, useless, pointless, and uninteresting little lives to themselves. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw and Quinn. Eric, what did you just do? You just turned to me and said, what are we going to talk about? I was like, well, it's our show. We can talk about whatever we want. Brian Fuller is here. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I love Brian Fuller. We just met him in the lobby, and I think he is the first guest we've ever had who is taller than I am. You know, and I'm crazy about tall. You do like tall. Uh-huh. Um, and I do want to tell you that Shea Butters has already sent a question. Do not ask him that question because that same person left that question on our party line. And we're going to play it for Brian. Oh, like I can see that without my glasses on. (laughs) That's why I take your glasses before every show. (laughs) It's easier to control me that way. Absolutely. Well, I just want everyone out there to know that I had exploding brunch today. I once again what is going on with you and food on Sunday? I almost went for a camera, and then I thought, no, I should just clean this up. The fork broke, and it what? catapulted the plate. Wait, how did the fork break? Had, I have those with, they have lucite handles, and it snapped off, oh, so I punched the right. plate, and it catapulted. So it was scrambled eggs. It didn't have the explosive potential like the exploding egg sandwich from a couple of weeks ago. So today I had exploding brunch. So, um, I, obviously, I think the story here is that you're very nervous about the show every Sunday, and it, it impairs your ability to eat. 
Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. probably the story. You're just wrapped up in the in the outlines and the and I, I really do preparatory seem nervous work. and yeah. all, I'm always a nervous wreck you when are. the show starts every week. I'm I'm such a shy and shrinking violin. You really are. You really are. So, um, but w- w- wait a minute. <laughs> what is going on with you and food on Sunday? This is the second incident. We had the exploding eggs incident. You know, a few honestly, weeks ago. I think there's the whole like. Being a bachelor offers a certain different relationship to eating. Like I used to have a thing that I, called, that I called, right, right, that I called instant salad, where you, I would stand <laughs> over the sink with a bottle of salad dressing in one hand and a head of lettuce in the other, and you take a bite of the head <laughs> of lettuce, and then you take a slug of the salad dressing. Like, why would you waste time on a bowl? And then uh-huh. it all just falls into the sink, and you wash your face off when you're done. Like, I get it. I get I, it. I think that probably there are more food incidents than than I actually report here on the show, but I do a show on Sundays. Right, So right. actually the Eisenberg factor here is probably the right. show and not the eating incidents. Right. Yeah. So what you're saying is we need to do a show every day. I think that's clearly the every solution. Every day, 5 o'clock drive time. So that people can be constantly right. apprised yeah. of my um, So today it was a ham. Fun. I was cutting a ham and the electric knife <laughs> ended up in the ceiling and there's ham all over my kitchen. All my Easter decorations are covered in ham. Right. I am the one with the cooking tip of that you can't make um, <laughs> pimento, pimento cheese. cheese in the food processor. No, oh. in the blender. That was it. In the blender without the top on. Which was it? Was I it, think was you it made the it without the... the food processor? In whatever it was, there was cheese on all over the ceiling. There's still cheese on your ceiling. Yeah, it really, but it's very tasty. Excellent. It's great well, listen, on a cracker. My cousin was in town. I know she yes. came by. It was so she great was to great. meet her. I love my cousin. My cousin who said to me, "I, I think, but I not asked in her, that way. It's no, not that kind. She's. They're not, both from the South, but it's not like that. No, it's not like that. She's from Texas. Texas is not the South. Texas is Texas. And right. my, my a, father's people it's its are own from country. Texas. It's his own country. Anyway, I said I said to her once, I said, Kim, have you managed to listen to um, our show? And she's like, I have children. <laughs> I have impressionable ones at <laughs> But home. it's true. She's like, she's got kids. They're always underfoot. And I, it made us, it made me think about our show in a new way. Like we, we, we were bragging before we went on the air. We don't have a beep button because we don't need one. But people with kids are going to be like... The first talk of vaginas, they just turn the thing right yeah, off. I take all the um, the child protector lids off the medicine as soon as it comes into the house and throw it away. I save dangerous lids for everything. Right? So I can imagine my cousin like out in her car late at night with her iPhone trying to listen to our show. I'm not sure she yeah. goes to quite that much Yeah, I effort. keep bobby pins right next to the electrical outlets. <laughs> in case you want to do your hair up right. In case you want to get Right, because there's no kids around. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, Well, we, we, I think the most important business that we need oh, to get right. to. We had last week, we had the the first ever live on the internet egg hunt. Yes, absolutely. And we, everybody submitted and everybody played along. Well, some of you did. And for those of you who did, we have a winner and this is our big this moment. Is, of it. This is the winner. You, you were required to count up the number of times we said egg in the course of the live show. And it was only we were only open for an hour after the show. So this was a contest for our live listeners only. Hint, hint, hint. If you listen to the podcast, there are advantages to being a live listener of the dinner party show. So... <laughs> Who is the winner? The winner is Chris Aries. Yay!
Where the hell? Oh, it was the wrong fanfare. I thought it was the wait. one with Claudia at the end. We have one where she goes, I want some more. And every time Eric steps on it because he's just got so much to say. So and he then literally I, said I like had a finger over his mouth and yeah, then it never pointing came. Pointing at me, the whole Kelly. Uh, Cl- it was Kelly Ripa and, uh, and oh, Clay, Clay Aiken. Oh, Clay Aiken. Yeah. Put his hand over her mouth. And she was touchy about it. she was mad, and she was mad. And then people tried to make it out like it was homophobic, because she was like, I don't know where your hand has been. Maybe she should have just shut up. Yeah, maybe. Oh, so we're going (laughs) to, shutting up is a new platform on the dinner party show. I think letting your guests talk is is actually uh, something that one tries to do. Excellent. It's a manners thing. It's something Kelly might want to review. Well, he was her co-host he was actually not her guest oh he was co-hosting with her and they were doing you know shtick like we do oh. you know shtick it's an industry so it was part term. of the patter it was part of the patter and he cut off her patter he turned her patter into some piddle yeah that's why michael <laughs> strahan wound up with that show and now good morning america uh, right exactly he blew the audition when he put his hand over kelly's I, mouth it's just not how you play kind of freaks me out i saw that one christmas special with him it's the only time i've ever seen him and yeah it really scared me you you had to call me actually. You're like yeah. I just need to talk to someone. I've just watched the Clay. Aiken well, I had Christmas never special. seen him before. Right. <laughs> he was. It was all like it was a big deal about that. Um, you say that about him like he's a four armed winning thing. I show. never no, laid eyes I just on assumed him. he was going to. I'd seen Michael Bublé. I mean, I've seen yeah. other people's Christmas specials. They didn't freak me out. He kind of did. Yeah, he's a, he's freaky. Little scary. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe yeah. he should be on Hannibal. We should talk to Brian. We'll about talk to that. Brian about. He's naturally scary. Yeah, absolutely. Will Clay Aiken be on Hannibal? I'm sure writers love when they get questions like that because they're all about process. <laughs> we do have a question for Brian Fuller, the one I, that has come through on Facebook that I told you not to ask, which we're gonna was also on our party line, that is really very, very much about writing process. And I think it's a very serious and question. And speaking about the party line, yes. which we were, next is it next week, right? Yes. Next week is our fabulous new Cuatro de Mayo <laughs> celebration here at the Dinner Party Show. We're doing drunken confessions. So this is a contest because basically what we figured out, party people, is you only call the party line when it's a contest and we're going to give something away. You only away. call us when there's something in it for you. Absolutely. So we do want to say our earlier contest winner, Chris Aries, will be winning a signed uh, autographed copy of Armistead Mopin's latest book. We don't know what this winner will be, but it, <laughs> 10 bucks says it will be an autographed book. <laughs> I've got about 700 <laughs> copies of The Moonlit Earth I have to fucking get rid of, but we'll think of something better. Uh, and so, yes, we are asking you to uh, leave your most embarrassing embarrassing drunken story on our voicemail and then the party people will vote we will have a voting app up on facebook and you will get to vote whose story is the most horrifying and embarrassing and it will unlike the egg hunt it will actually persist over the podcast period in fact it'll last for two weeks because we have a special episode a mother's day special coming up sam's is coming back for mother's day right we're gonna mother's day is gonna be live from poison creek this year so it'll be the 18th the announcer that we announce the winner so Plenty of time to do that, but not plenty of time to call the party line and leave your most embarrassing yes, you drunken have to, incident. But I guess it doesn't have to be drunken if you're the, just if it's just humiliating. A humiliating story, and if you sound drunk while you're leaving it, but please do leave it before Friday afternoon on the West Coast because that allows us to 
make you all sound like opera singers in the editing room. Most of you sound like pterodactyls. Friday, May 2nd. Friday, May 2nd. Because Quattro de Mayo is Sunday, right? right? Here's the clue. So Friday, May 2nd, like mid-afternoon. Okay. Three West Coast times. 3 p.m. on the West Coast, which is where we apparently live today, right now. We're going to take a short break for a word from one of our wacky sponsors, and then we'll be back with Brian Fuller, (laughs) our incredibly tall guest here on The Dinner Party Show. Are you crazy? Yes. Yes, I am. Coming this spring to USA, the network that crossed the line on quirky detectives so long ago we can't even see it from here or remember exactly when it was we crossed it, comes a new detective show that, frankly, even we think is a bit much. You are insane! You say that like it's a bad thing. She's the paranoid schizophrenic. What do you mean I'm taking it too personally? No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. (coughs) Would you like something to drink? No, thanks. He's so OCD, he gets on Tony Shalhoub's nerves. Okay, first we'll talk to the widow. No, 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 no. First we should alphabetize these files on the case. Nah, strike that. We should catalog the evidence. Nah, I better wash my hands. That's it. First we should sanitize the doorknob so I can go wash my hands before we decide what to do first. He's a compulsive liar. I regret to have to inform you that your husband has been murdered. What? Oh, God, no. Who would do this? Do what? Murder my husband. Your husband has been murdered? You just told me he'd been murdered. No, I didn't. She's a sexual compulsive. I know it would make you feel better. What are you doing? Grief counseling. With your hand down my blouse? You're in shock. Your husband was just murdered. I did not say that. Don't touch me. Your hands are filthy. Did someone say filthy? I did. Stop accusing me of things I don't remember doing. No, I don't. If I say that again, I'll kill you. Coffee, anyone? At the USA Network, our slogan is characters welcome. But maybe we should consider locking that door. For now, don't miss our latest Twitch fest, Personality Disorder Detective Agency. Coming this spring to USA. How hot is that coffee? Don't touch me! Only six episodes left until the spring season finale. And coming in June, the summer season premiere of Personality Disorder Detective Agency on the USA Network. Characters welcome. Coming next fall, Stories. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And he's here. He's the tallest guest we've ever had on The Dinner Party Show. He also created NBC's Hannibal, Pushing Daisies, Wonder Falls, and Dead Like Me, which your fans get very angry if I leave out of your bio, Mr. Fuller. They go, Dead Like Me! Don't forget Dead Like Me! Do not forget it. Welcome to The Dinner Party Show. It's good to have you. It's great to be here in the boudoir. Right? <laughs> Everybody loves our studio. Right? Because it has red curtains that it's Eric It's really spectacular. It's very tactile. Yes. Right? It's, invi- it's inviting touching. We <laughs> wanted people to feel comfortable. We wanted that sort of environment. 
Totally. It, right? Job well done. The bar Thank helps. You. Thank you. <laughs> the full bar really helps yes. to get people comfortable, too. So should we start off with oh, yes. this? The first thing This are, is the first are, time Eric has ever done this. And if you're listening oh, to us at home. never done this before. Eric, we're going to post a YouTube video of what's happening right now. Oh, Eric Shaw Quinn is presenting. Would you please autograph my copy of Wonderfalls. The DVD uh, sh- of the whole show. Yes. Just however you want to. It's Brian show, has so. picked up a Sharpie pen. He is writing his name on the box cover. It's very exciting. The blow by blow here. Right. It's like uh, baseball on the radio. <laughs> or strippers on the Howard Stern show. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Excellent. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. A quote from the show. Oh, my God. I love the show. Oh, Excellent. oh, wow. Oh, Eric is so excited. Well, now I'm going to have I would have brought glasses. you a wax lion. I have a garage full oh, of them. Oh, my God. I would love a wax lion. Come back. I We're going to have you back on the show just so we can get I a wax lion. I just love the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, like, Caroline is, like, I've finally, after two years of of Hannibal gotten to where I'm not expecting a smart remark from her when she comes on. But it's it's, it's like it's, I always expect a little J when she comes on camera. It's like, oh, good, it's J. Oh, no, it's not. Sometimes she gives you a little J. She's, she does. She's, she has that tone of voice. Yeah, she's, she yeah. can bite. So you're just back from Toronto. Just, just. I'm dusting the snow from my shoulders. Yes, absolutely. You look very fresh for someone who's been in wintry Canada for so long. Oh, it's God. It was snowing like three days before I left. It was crazy. I think Toronto, I think I would be afraid to go to Toronto. Having watched Hannibal, it must be the most terrifying city in the world. Or is it it just the way you shoot it? It's the way we shoot it because you go up there and it is actually a beautiful city. uh, But it, it is not threatening. In the manner that that, uh, that everybody is an arm to the teeth. No, like no, but there Angeles? are stabbings. There are stabbings really? and things like that that you hear about. That they're in certain areas. Of Interesting. The city. Yeah, I was. I was there recently. Is it the mayor. There was. A, <laughs> there was. A, <laughs> it's, it's the mayor. It it's the, the mayor. mayor. Yeah, I think goes around the mayor. There was a shooting when I was there, and I was like, a shooting in Canada. I oh, was. Yeah. Per capita, Canadians have more guns than we do. We're just more disposed to use ours. Maybe we have more ammunition. I don't know what it is. That's because we have more talk radio. Yeah, that's (laughs) We've also fetishized guns in a way that I don't think the Canadians have. It's all sort of dirty and itchy trigger fingers ready to go. Yeah, and it's very... Although Will said last night that shooting people was very impersonal, that stabbing, killing people with your bare hands is a more intimate act. It is. You do, like, that's what I have found in my experience. (laughs) It's much more intimate better living through Hannibal <laughs> yes exactly yeah okay I'm gonna put you on the spot here we have a we're gonna have you here for the whole show so we've got a lot of time and we've got a lot of questions for you from our party line but I want you to tell our audience your Anne Rice story oh oh your mother was so kind to me um okay so I am a a, a wee young thing in uh, the Lewis Clark Valley which is Lewiston Idaho Clarkston Washington and I was obsessed with Interview with the Vampire. It was the... Good. the uh, you were the one. <laughs> I was just... I was the one. I was uh-huh. the one. It was me. Um, and so somehow I got it fixed in my head that I was going to adapt it. I was going to write the screenplay <laughs> based on Interview with the Vampire. And so <clears throat> your parents very foolishly were, were listed. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I know. So I called information in San mm-hmm. Francisco because in the back of the book it said she was married to Stan Rice mm-hmm. and called information, asked for Stan Rice. They gave me a number. I called it and your mother answered the phone. <laughs> and what did she say? Uh, you know, I, I told her my agenda. You pitched her, really? Yes, I yes. pitched her myself as the writer. And I think she could probably tell that I was a very young man because my voice was particularly high. 
And so I think she was just like, okay, I'm not going to, to shut this one down. But she was so kind, and I basically interviewed her about the writing process and creativity. Mm. And I you know, I was, where did you get this from? What is this based on? And she's like, I made it up. I just I kept on making it up. That's what you have to do is you have to make it up. And I think there was, there was a great freedom in learning that from somebody as accomplished as, as your mother in terms of writing. But she... Uh, gave me the name and number. She's like, well, I have nothing to do with hiring of the writer, so you might want to call Julia Phillips. Here's, here's her number. So, I love that story. Did you call Julia? I called Julia. How I was stopped that? Ju- well, okay, I so I called her at her office, and then her that was an old number, like she had moved, and so then I called another number she that they had asked afford- to leave yeah. politely. Right, right. <laughs> take your lunch uh, and get out. Yes, <laughs> and uh, so I had tracked her down through several people. Who finally somebody gave me her home number. You really persisted. I, I so How tenacious. old were you when you were doing this? 12, 13. 13. Yeah. Like the and testicles was it like had just six dropped. months it before was, you got wow. your first series. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty tenacious. So, I, where did this end up? Did you get her at home? I got, I finally got Julia. I would leave a message for her every day, several times a day, actually. And finally, she picked up. And she couldn't take it. Yeah, anymore. she could like, and and I said <laughs> she picked up, and I had left all my information on the machine. I had you know given her all sorts of information, and uh, she finally agreed to. I will talk to you at my office tomorrow if you promise never to call me again, and at this number. And so I did, and she was very kind. She was like, "You're too young. Go to school. Learn huh. how to write." And we're never going to give you a screenplay at 13 years old. And mm-hmm. so it was pretty uh, magnanimous, ultimately, because it was pretty obnoxious. It was a, an obnoxious invasion. But of- I think it's really telling about who the persistence that's required to do what you actually ended up doing for a living. I mean, you have a great facility for storytelling, and I would love to talk with you about how you developed that. But managing to get that many television shows on the air. Right. That well, was, they keep in, on getting canceled. That's relative, why. Well, yeah. even so, getting them on the air Getting is them the on challenge. the air. And that is, interestingly enough, to bring the story full circle, what Mom posted today about your appearance on this show was, I hope they ask him how he gets so many shows on the air because TV is so hard. Oh, well, I didn't know that, yeah. but... Ah, <laughs> yes. I mean, but here we are. Apparently, it's sort of like he... Did, uh, the, it was probably not unlike the process of getting in touch with Julia Phillips. Yeah, tenacious. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to be. You have to be tenacious. And I had actually run into Julia Phillips about a year before she died, mm. which was some 15, 16 wow. years later. Did after she remember? Did you she tell did her? remember. Oh, that's so wow. cool. I approached her outside the Zephyr Theater on Melrose, uh-huh. and she had been at a play, and I was at the play, and I walked up to her and said, do you remember a young man calling several times and she was like I do and <laughs> congratulations that you're now a working writer that's fantastic yeah, that's yeah. really I love that that's fantastic. I love that okay well now the question on everybody's lips I think is clearly <laughs> I'm looking it, at the lips I can see them through a the little circle it's written right here like it's the, on the other side of the spit filter <laughs> pop filter when is Beth Grant going to be on Hannibal? You know, she's got to be. She's got to be. I love Beth. She's one of my favorite people, and you have been very good. You can, like, she could make poison muffins, maybe. She, well, I think there's a whole, because we were going to do a whole thing with her character on Mockingbird Lane, where, because right. she was in Wonderfalls first, and then Pushing Daisies, right. and then Mockingbird Lane playing all the same character. Right. 
And we were going to do a whole thing that she, you know, she made these muffins and wonderfalls and became diabetic and lost her ability to, to walk because she was so, you know, uh, behind poor eating habits. And well, you know, the sugar of, and what have you. Yeah, it nipped her in the bud. But, you know, we have to figure out some way for her to be in therapy. Oh. Because hmm. you know, I think that oh. I just want to sit those two opposite each other. And, really? Yeah. Like just. Bring Beth in and let her roll. She should be in therapy probably anyway. But do you do you know her personally? I actually do. I, I I'm not like close close friends with her, but I do know her and I know her socially. And she is so much fun and one of the nicest people. And if you don't know Beth Grant, you need to buy a television because yes. if you've watched she television since the eighties, you've seen Beth Grant. Everything. Like she's been in every show you've ever seen. You she's might know everything. her from I doubt your commitment to Sparkle Motion. The Donnie Darko, right? Like, oh, okay, was, right. was sort of like Donnie Darko. Everybody was Little Miss Sunshine, like oh, she's the a- original Hills Have Eyes. Yes, <laughs> which Eric pointed out. He was like, "Oh, it's Beth Grant," and then he realized what the movie is. He's like, "Oh no, I'm not watching this. Oh no, there's not enough British crime <laughs> solving." Been, <laughs> she has been in everything. She's that literally you've in everything, ever seen. Yeah. and she's and she is the queen of the Fullerverse because she's literally her. been playing the same character. So, so for people who don't know, let's let's say what the Fullerverse is. It's a theory according to Wikipedia, by your loyal fans, that all of your shows take place in the same universe. Is it true? Yeah-ish. Okay. Yeah, I think there's there's something very fun about connecting dots in that way, and it also sort of makes them more real in my mind if they're like, well, if they exist in this universe and they exist in that universe, then that must be true. Mm-hmm. So there is there is a, uh, a delight in, in, in revisiting. It's also... I like these actors. I like to work with them again, and it's right. sort of fun to have them be the same character. Cool. Well, we're going to take a short break here for a piece of music from Pushing Daisies. This oh. is Kristen Chenoweth performing Hopelessly Devoted to You, and then we will be back here with Brian Fuller and your questions on The Dinner Party Show. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy The Dinner Party Show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. (laughs) Boy, you don't know what you just missed. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And our guest Brian Fuller is at the table with us this evening. cracking up people in the studio. Hello. He's funny in real life too, guys. Okay, so we were uh, upsetting Brian during the break because Eric told him That Eric's hair had appeared on an episode of Pushing Daisy. So now we're going to give him an explanation for that story that he's completely... Yeah, there's actually a picture. For those of you at home, there's a picture you can follow along with the picture on our Facebook page. Um, I was an enormous fan of uh, Pushing Daisies. And Christopher bought me for my birthday at auction at some The Point Foundation, Foundation, which Dan Jinks was associated with. Lovely, lovely Dan Jinks. One of the producers of Pushing Daisies had donated a walk-on. On ah. Pushing Daisies, and it was auctioned off, and I bid on it, and I said, I know this is perfect for Eric, so I So I that was my birthday Eric. present, Yeah. so I went, and I got to sit at the monitor farm with the director and the writer, and 
the meanest AD. My God, yeah, which she was one? Mean. She was mean. I don't know what her name was, but she did was not happy, especially when she found out I was a writer. I don't Uh-oh. know what it was, Uh-oh. but she did not care for me anyway. But Kristen, what did was, you do? Kristen what did you was steal? Like a hostess, and it was really lovely. And all the pies, the place was. Oh. They, they, there was an actual pie chef, and there oh, was yeah. refrigerators full of pies. Yeah, and, it was actually Brian's show. I think you know. I know right, right. I'm, I'm actually telling the people who are listening to the okay, show. Okay, okay. I just yeah, wanted to I make sure you Brian, knew where you were. I figured Brian knew that there were pies there <laughs> at the pie hole. And yeah. I was one of the patrons in the pie hole. They they opened the shot through the window of the pie hole with everybody sitting at the table. Were you Lee wearing a sweater and, vest? And, and I may No, have, you were wearing like a plaid suit. It was like suit. a pink plaid um, leisure suit. And the way that the shot was done, you could see my hair at the table beyond theirs eating or pretending to eat pie and speaking, you know, in mime uh, beyond them. And that's it. That was, that was my moment. That was, and then it was over. It was like 20 seconds long. Did but you it, do peas and carrots? But peas it's and like carrots? my hair. Rutabaga, rutabaga, rutabaga. Watermelon, watermelon. Rutabaga, rutabaga, rutabaga. I've combined the two. I, like I could it, have yeah. done. Waterbaga, waterbaga, water Waterbaga. Water yeah, no, I could have done Nessim Dorma. <laughs> Nobody could see my face. It was just my hair. That's all that made it to the show. But, you know, it was my hair. So my hair was on Pushing Daisies. If we had known each other then, I would have made sure that you were in frame <laughs> yes and let me tell you something we opened up our party line for questions for you and and because we've been talking about hair and all sorts of frivolous things we have a question for you that's really really about the writing process so uh. let's hear it hi my name's abby i'm calling to leave a message for mr brian fuller and i would like to know how he gets his hair so fluffy <laughs> and perfect and wonderful. Uh, is it, it hair is curlers? I'm thinking it might be. I don't know. Does he do it every night? I'd really like to know. Thank you. But we're back tips. to hair. But, well, the big secret is I stopped using shampoo several years ago. <laughs> Do not wash your hair with shampoo. <laughs> do not. What, <laughs> what do you use? I use this stuff called when. Like you see it everywhere. Like on on the uh, shopping channels and things like that. He yeah. like suds his dogs with it. It's a it's a non it's a non soap cleansing conditioner. Oh, and you use it every day. Um, every other day. Okay, yeah. every other day. And you, there we are. You, all right. We'll be sending the folks at when a bill for uh, the the product placement Absolutely. here on our show. Chaz Dean. Chaz right? Dean needs to send the, you a whole box of when products. Oh, it's Chaz Dean. Yeah. He has billboards all over town. All now. over. All, yeah. all over. over. I think there's one across the so street. Brian from our Fuller studio. endorses when hair products. You Excellent. heard it here first, guys. I, I do. Excellent. He okay. actually had an answer to that question, Abby. <laughs> Let's see. We've Hi, got, Abby. We've got another question for you. Let's see how this one goes. Let's see if this one's actually about this writing. This is makeup tips. <laughs> Let's see. All right. Hi, my name is Kristen. I have a question for Brian Fuller. Um, first, I have to gush for a minute because I can't tell you how much I am in love with this show. Mm-hmm. I studied film. I have my film degree. And so I've studied the medium a bit. And everything about the show is so good. It's just the cinematography, the editing, the sound design, the acting, the writing. Oh, my God. I really want to know what goes on in the writer's room. What is it like? Like, Do they sit around and just, like, gush about how awesome you guys are? Because (laughs) you should. Because you should, she says. Well, that was was very 
lovely. Um, you know, the writing process on the show is 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 so strange because we've got we've got some some very strange thinkers and. <laughs> We, Apparently, yeah. yes. We, uh, dear God, you know. For instance, we had this episode recently that we called the Turducken, which had a corpse and a horse who had a bird and the corpse. So there was a bird and a corpse and a horse, and a uh, live bird, a live corpse bird. and a horse. Oh, okay. And so that all came from you know we have this writer named Scott Nimmerfro who comes up with just crazy crazy ideas and then it's kind of everybody else's role to try to figure out okay how do we make that even remotely real for our show so we, we do <laughs> and how do we keep him away from us after <laughs> because he came up with that idea in and the first pets. place right yes, yes. Right. uh so it's it's kind of a free-for-all we we try to figure out some cool metaphor for the story and and it is it is sort of very traditional that way with the the hannibal writers room we we talk about theme and metaphor so much for everything on this show and it really helps us kind of organize and structure an episode and know how to tell the story beyond, you know, what the, the characters want and what the characters need. Everything ties back to the theme and the metaphor. And it's it's actually makes it so much simpler to tell the story. Like I'm intimidated by novel writing because I mm. wouldn't know where to stop because it feels so sprawling. And with script writing... I just have to describe what I see mm. and, you know, give enough for the actors to go through. So I'm incredibly impressed with an author who writes novels such as yourself. Well, honestly, mm -hmm. I would say that the skills that a novelist has are the ones that really serve you the best in the shows. But television is the most sprawling of mediums. If you're on the air for five, six, seven years... How many chapters is that by the time the book right. is finally yeah. done? Like, I think most shows on TV die because the person is great in the pitch room and they don't know how to spin the story out right. once it goes on. And I, it was, again, back to the topic that I brought up earlier, your facility for telling a story is, I think, a, beyond what most of the things that I see on television. And I, I wouldn't yeah. be intimidated much. I, I, I would put you speaking in Speaking from the novelist side of things. Yeah, like, we're both you know. novelists. And oh, I I think, I, yeah, you're a long-form storyteller. I, yeah. th I think the one yeah. who should I feel think daunted what, is the feature writer, right, who can yeah. only do there's 90 a bomb minutes. in the back of the bus and giraffes are the only ones who can diffuse it. You know, it's like, oh I want to see that movie. And I think Eric is right. I think a lot of what we're seeing on TV now is, is what do you call them, 15-minute yeah. sizzle pitches that yeah. don't have the legs for a yeah, whole show. Yeah, they're great at the pitch. Yeah. And then they don't know what to do once they get on the air and they, they'll go 13 episodes and then face plant because they don't know how to spin out the story for the – or they'll do a feature pitch and somebody who is, I guess, new to television buys it and then you go, OK, what happens the second week? Like, OK, but, they're but, hostages. Then what happened? I, I actually stopped listening because I was imagining the giraffe who was defusing <laughs> the bomb <laughs> and the giraffe who could defuse the bomb was right. the one that those Danes shot at the zoo. Yes. So everybody is screwed. Everybody. The bomb's going off because it's they shot that. And that's why I love it's a your show. I love it. I because love your it. focus went straight to the important you, part you, of that story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we really are. You heard giraffe and it was over. Listen, a bomb diffusing giraffe. Yes. You know it's a good guest on, on the dinner party show when I feel competitive with our listeners who are sending in more questions and, and we want to ask you questions and, and do we have time to get it all because my screen is lighting up here with party people stuff from Shea Butters. Okay, more party people. But I, no, I want to ask you what the pitch was for Hannibal the series. What did you go in there? What was the angle? Did this you take a gun? <laughs> <laughs> have I got a show for you, click. <laughs> a knife, a small knife. No. Um, it 
it was it was very much I I with the show the thing that I was attracted to was the relationship but I'm fascinated with heterosexual friendships between like male heterosexual friendships huh. because I've always felt outside of them as a as a mm-hmm. as a young gay man and I didn't get Dukes of Hazard I was Buck Rogers and Battlestar Galactic so I didn't understand it I just felt uh, that it was so foreign. And so this show is really my exploration of what it is to be in a non-sexual, hmm. intimate relationship between two men. And that was kind of the pitch, is that we have seen Hannibal Lecter incarcerated. We've seen him as a caged animal, but we've never seen him social. What hmm. happens when he has friends? What happens when that friendship starts mm-hmm. to encroach on who he is and mm-hmm. that's where we're kind of at in this in this stage of the storytelling so it was it was the lost chapter of Hannibal Lecter when he was a practicing psychiatrist and practicing cannibal and it's yeah. why he's so terrifying because he's just this sort of lovely charming host he's Fraser Crane who's throwing dinner yeah. parties and having do you have a chef on did Mads actually learn to make the th- or do you have mad hands to come in and do the, the no the, Matt, the cooking? Maz insists that those are his hands doing all like he yeah, took I've tried all to see and it looks like it's always him. Oh, yeah. Like it's he's it's beautiful. The food preparation is sort of astonishing and stomach turning at the same time because you're thinking, is it a person or is it actually a steak? I don't know this time. Well, we have commercial filmmakers who come in and shoot all of the inserts. They do insert days and cooking days where uh-huh. it's all the cooking prep and the food porn. Mm-hmm. We have a commercial director named Chris Byrne come in and he has his DP and he sets it all up. So all of these sort of make love to the food shots are mm-hmm. all kind of dedicated days. And they're beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we have Jose Andres, who, you know, James Beard Award winning chef, who is our culinary consultant. And he, the stuff that he has uh, pitched, like the first time I sat down with him, he was pitching, you know, in Spain, there's this delicacy known as stuffed sheep vagina, except you wouldn't be doing it with sheep if you're on Hannibal. So, you know, it was like he had that <laughs> wow. kind of, like, no judgment. Right. No, it changes like, your whole relationship to food, this show. It, it has changed Everybody my Everybody eats life. I mean, you know, the yeah. only plants are the only ones that can produce their well, own. We were, we were yeah. talking about this the other day, Eric. You and I were, part of why we survived as a species is because I think we taste terrible, and right? And smell horrible. We taste and smell really bad. But have you heard that theory? about Uh-oh. the missing link the reason that we don't know we have never been able to to find a Is missing it was link. delicious it was delicious <laughs> oh the missing God. link was delicious that's why there is no missing. proof right we ate them yes. we ate the, the yay <laughs> so that's lovely that's, okay how could we not that's genius okay so we have another question from one of our party people on the party line which is about the structure of the show Hannibal let's hear it Hi, uh, my question is for Brian Fuller. First of all, Brian, I love, love, love Hannibal. But my question to you is, why did you kill off Dr. Chilton when he appears in uh, The Silence of the Lambs in the movie series, when he appears further in, in the, the series, the uh, movie series and the book series? So why did you kill him off now if this is based on an earlier book? Uh, thanks a lot, and it's Davida from Philly. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Davida. They're listening. Hello, Davida. Well, I'll just say this: Serpico survived a shot to the face. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Plus, it's Raul as part Wow, of you heard it here first, folks. Wow. wow. <laughs> dinner party show exclusive. We have Hannibal spiked scoop Brian Fuller's on the dinner party team. Show. Hannibal's <laughs> scoop. Okay, okay. Well, that's good. Is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. Because, okay. you know, we actually went back and forth about it. Um, and we needed that plot point. We needed that kind of mm-hmm. slam dunk of, well, it couldn't have been me because mm-hmm. uh, she shot him in the face. Uh, so that was, we we had talked about like, well, do we kill him? And I was like, I can't kill Raul Esparza because he's so funny in the show and mm-hmm. he knows that's comic relief. So um, yeah, I would, if we get to the Signs of the Lambs era, Mm-hmm. I would love to see him back with a scar looking like Ed Harris from History of Violence. Cool. Wow. All right. We have another question from our party people. Hey, this message is for Brian. Brian, it's Augustina. It's good I have to a question for you. I'd like to know if you could serve one meal to Hannibal, what or who would it be? <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> who would you serve to Hannibal? Boy, um... <laughs> Do you want to tell us after Go the show? Go back through we'll call er, early home? pitches, early pitches, early rejections. Just Julie think. Phillips is gone. People who so. said self-defeating things, or not self-defeating things, but actively defeating Awful things. teachers, English Awful teachers, teachers who... Yeah. I had some good teachers. You know, I, oh. I think, you know... Brian Fuller is a softie on the inside. We're feeling the pushing daisies and not the Hannibal part of Brian right now. Yeah, there's there's... Gosh, who would I like to see him eat? I guess I would like him to see him eat a a a slaughterhouse baron of some sort because mm. after watching this show and being so kind of like ingrained in the show, I like my eating habits have totally changed. Really? I find it like the the diaphragm between human beings and animals has gotten so wispy thin Mm. for me and I've been writing about a guy eating people for so long that and I I look at animals mostly as non-human people Mm -hmm. because I'm an animal lover so um, in certain circumstances I would choose to eat a person as opposed to wow uh, a certain kind of like if you said eat your dog Mm -hmm. I would say I would rather eat the person who told me to eat my dog. Then. Okay, so I will never tell you to eat your dog. Right. <laughs> Eric, don't don't yeah. say the same no, thing. I, if the Gelsons, if the 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 end of the world comes and the Gelsons closes, I would have to be a vegetarian because if I actually had to kill one of those little oh. animals, like it can't even sort of look like it can't be a little leg or something. No. I can't do that. It has to be so removed. Yeah, it, does, it has to look like it. Yeah, like came a out hamburger. Of a like it could be a sandwich. <laughs> like I as opposed a, to a womb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. Yes. Wait, even fish like like fuck fish like they're horrible. They're delicious. They're delicious, but they're also like I don't know. Like, they eat their children. But don't you they? Never, they eat their children. We had dinner with your mom that time, and they brought me that fish with a face on it. You and had I the made fish that with man, a face on it. Um, wait, oh, that had like a I, head and fist. I made them take it back, and no, in, I can't have my dinner looking at in me. In Italy, you ate that Sicilian salted fish. Uh, by the way, we are not actually a couple. So if you're a tall British crime solver, Eric is still single. I say that once a show. But we did go to Italy it's, together, it's part and of you contract. ate that salted Sicilian fish, and it had a head on it. And I remember thinking, as the preparation was beginning, the Eric's never going to be able to do that head. But they filleted and, the fish and put it on okay. the plate. I All did right. the, 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 There was no 
eyes looking at anyway. me on that plate. I can't do that. I just <laughs> back to Brian Fuller. <laughs> I think this kind of is about back Brian. Yeah, it's Brian all Fuller. about like okay. uh, death plays a really important part in a lot of your shows. Is that a, a particular fascination for you, or well, it's the biggest stakes we have right? for storytelling, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess it's it's laziness on on a certain hand. You're like, what's bigger than death? <laughs> death like, yeah, it, but the speculation about it is the fun part. It's right? fascinating because we're all we don't know. You know, we are here for whatever reason that we make. And, you know, there is a if you stop and think about it, it is so overwhelming life. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, Sondheim sort of summed it up nicely in being alive. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think there's there is a lot to going on to being conscious in this world. So it's a very complicated, difficult thing. And when that all goes away. You get to reflect on everything that was. So it's the punctuation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and just a side note, Raul does a, does a really great version of Being Alive. Oh my god, that's oh. that's when I f- was first became enamored of him, seeing him do that on the Tonys. As long as as Eric long as Rick Shaw Quinn brings it full circle. Well, we have a question actually that's that is about sound and music on Hannibal. Hi, uh, this question is for Brian Fuller. He sounds like uh, a voice I would love right. if he could talk that's about the sound and music design for Hannibal. Is it you? It's so creative and unusual <laughs> and evocative even if the dripping sometimes makes me have to pee. I'd love to know a little bit more about what goes into the scoring of each episode. Thanks. His voice really did sound disguised. Like, there's a child in the... In I think the, it was yeah, Brian. It was Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He called the party line yeah. because he wanted to talk about the, the sound. Has there been a change in the sound this season? It seems like there has been an evolution this season with... With the sound in Hannibal. Well, the you know these our our sound design is primarily Brian Reitzel, who is our our composer. And one of the great things about work, I, I I've been collecting soundtracks since I was seven. Me too. I love them. I love them. They're incredible, life giving. Like people yeah. would be like, why are you listening to this album without words on it? Yeah, like, go away. Um, but yes, <laughs> I'm in a movie. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and it's I'm transportive. It. Yes, it's, it's so yeah. it, it induces creativity and imagination. They're fantastic. Yeah. Um, so. For instance, on Pushing Daisies and Wonderfalls, they were much more kind of traditionally scored, and I knew I didn't want to do that for Hannibal. And David Slade, who was the director of the first episode of Hannibal, had worked with Brian Reitzel in the past and said he's incredible. I talked to him after listening to his stuff, and we talked a lot about Tangerine Dream mm-hmm. and how Tangerine Dream scores and like where I get frustrated with Tangerine. Like whenever they break out an electric guitar, I'm like – with the synthesizer. Yeah, exactly. Let's, 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 you're ruining my world. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> testify. Yeah, they're, you know, they have some great scores. Like Miracle Mile is a fantastic yes, score. Totally. Fantastic score. Totally. Um, <laughs> the movie is sort of whatever, but it's really it's weird. Got great ideas. Yeah, it's yeah. got a great. And it does. Denise Crosby I, with her little briefcase. Never forgotten it. It's one of those it's movies. Wonderful. It's like I don't. That that's not a great movie, and I have never forgotten a frame of that yeah, movie. It's yeah, it's fantastic, it, especially anyway. the last moment. Yeah. Um, and so, so working with Brian Wrightsell, who's very like we talked about the psychology of music because traditionally, you'd be like, well, you know, if it's Olive Snook, she's a saxophone, and we need a saxophone score, mm-hmm. and and we need to hit that so we're reminding the the audience that the character is in the scene, um, even when they might not be on screen. And with this, with Hannibal, it's so psychological, yes. And to see his setup and how he plays with sound and just kind of creates it in the mood, in the space, that he is the one who is single-handedly responsible for the sound design on this show more than anybody, is mm-hmm. Brian Reitzel. So uh, hire a fantastic composer. Great question. I love film music. Excellent. We'll do one more question from our party line, and then we want you to ourselves. 
Hello, Eric and Christopher. Uh, this is oh, somebody recognized we are you. My question for Brian is, if you could remake any one of the episodes that you've done um, from Pushing Daisies or one of the other shows, which one would you want to remake in a different way and why? Oh, remake one. one of the epi- one, one of the, the episodes, yeah, of any of your shows. Um, you know, I think one of the probably the finale of Pushing Daisies, uh, mm. because we didn't know until after we had shot it and after we were in post that it was the last episode. So there was a bit of a scramble to we stole shots, we digitally replaced props in people's hands. Um, all sorts of, of editing tricks just to to try to land the plane more in a more satisfactory manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to to send that off in a proper way because mm. that mm-hmm. pro- pushing daisies is probably the one that's closest to my heart. Yeah, I love that. Love show. that it show. Was very love such that show. an amazing and the world that you created and the way it's even with the narrator. It's that storytelling. It's so about you telling us a story. It's what's so compelling about well, and I, I wish that more people were like dialed into that. I, I see things all the time on television and think, yeah, okay, why'd you why'd you drag me down here? Like, what's new? Who are all of these people, and what are they talking about? It's interesting. Like, there's some really exciting things happening in television right now. I think there's with there's so many great shows on the air and then you see the the traditional network model which is still kind of making the same type of show and Mm -hmm. it feels they feel so familiar and as somebody who has watched a lot of television i kind of see like oh i've seen that show before i've seen that show before but yet even though that's happening on network primarily cable is just Amazing. rocking our world yeah. with a, this golden era of storytelling. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's as effective yeah, the, as features. The, the, I, I agree. Uh, I the, think Game of Thrones Game has of changed Thrones everything. Is, right. But it's changed everything for novels because it used to be, if okay, for, so what I started hearing when I got out of here was if you had written a sophisticated intelligent crime thriller, uh, nobody wanted to make it as a movie because they would say that's a Law and Order episode and and go go make it on TV. But there wasn't really a space for a sophisticated novel on TV. It would just you would be not accepted as a movie because your content was no longer you know incendiary enough to only be a feature. And then when Game of Thrones happened, suddenly. TV started looking at novels in a totally different way. Right. It was like we lost the big cheesy creaky miniseries years ago, right? You know the Shoguns and the Noble Houses and uh, the don't Thornburg. just the miniseries. I love them. I love those. I love them. And then we lost them, and it yeah. was like, where do books go if right. they don't want to be hacked down to two hours and turned into one single character's you know pitchable one line journey? Right. You know. <laughs> and then Game of Thrones happened, and now it's like I would love to see the next big. A novel adaptation rolled out over multiple seasons. I, I wonder what it's going to be. But yeah. I would it should say be the Vampire Chronicles. I've been doing. <laughs> you said it. You it said should it. Be. You've been doing yeah. it all along. I mean, I think that's I like. While there may not have been a novel at its core, like the choice to begin the, this season of Hannibal with Will on the other side right. of the bars mm-hmm. was I, that was just mind blowing. It was a sh- what a great choice. What a fascinating mm-hmm. choice to make with the characters. And that's telling a story. That's taking it out and considering the possibilities. You tell a story like a novelist. You were already doing it before Game of Thrones ever came along. We have to thank you. Uh but you know, I think Game of Thrones is 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 kind of genre bending and defining it the same way and has really taught people how to 
immerse themselves in a story, that it's okay to immerse yourself yes. in the story. Because I think we get so afraid of it's going to go away. If we get too deep and we like the water too much, we'll have to get out. So right, right. that's something that is totally committed to a relationship with the audience. And I think that's what you want. And I think that that's what the Game of Thrones really reveals is who the audience really is. There's right. this sense of let's underestimate them. Let's talk to them like they're morons and don't have an attention span. The audience wants the long story. They want right. the long form. They want to participate. Harry Potter was not, you know, a five-minute read. It wasn't no. a pamphlet. It's thousands of pages that people hung on every word. And I would actually see the Harry Potter movies and then read the books afterwards so my world got bigger, mm. which was, I think, a more satisfying experience than the reverse because I friends who would get very frustrated. Right. But right. I always found that, oh, yeah, my world gets bigger. I get more details. Oh, yeah. I won't read the Game of Thrones because I'm yeah. loving the show too right. much. It's right. like I can't. Brian Fuller, will you come back on our show? We're out of time. Yes, I will. I'll bring Wax Lions. And bring Wax Lions. That that show went by so fast. We could have sat here with you all night long. But thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This is a delight. Absolutely. And we'll be back in a few minutes to close out the show with the dessert portion of the evening. And in the meantime, we have a word from one of our wacky sponsors. This fall on Out of the Box TV, a new cable station critics are hailing as devoted exclusively to shows about people who are entirely out of their minds. It's another rule-breaking tale of a rule-breaking rogue with a really fucked-up past. Evening, Sammy. Evening yourself, pal. What brings you back to Red Face Gulch after all these years? Well, if you haven't heard, my father sold bath salts to children and my brother was run over by a locomotive while trying to escape his murderous ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, I know all that. But what are you doing back in town? Well, in case you didn't know, my sister shot up the post office because she needed money for baby formula after her husband left her because their daughter was born without elbows. I know all this for Christ's sake. Still... What are you doing back? Also, my mother was a prostitute who killed and ate most of her customers during one long night of zombie bloodlust. Oh my God, enough with the backstory. What are you doing back in this town? How about I keep my motives a secret till the end of the season? Well, that shouldn't be too bad. It's cable, so our season's only about five episodes long. This fall, it's another uncompromising series about another uncompromising hero with a sullen expression and a really fucked up hat. It's sort of like a western, only there's going to be a bunch of crystal meth. And actresses you used to love from shows like Lassie and Little House on the Prairie will do cameos as trash-talking hookers and heavyset child murderers. It's Redemptive Murder Rectified this fall. On that cable station you didn't realize you were subscribed to. You know, the one that used to do shows about old cars. What I want is redemption. Yeah, but from what? Don't know yet, but I'm sure it'll involve some crazy preacher. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day.
Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice, and, and we're out of time. That's I'm it for Quinn. <laughs> Dessert's on us. <laughs> we, we ran over with Brian Fuller because he's so wonderful. The party people have all oohed and odd over his very sexy radio voice. Right, and he's pretty sexy in person, too. Absolutely, and our Facebook page is insane. Brian Fuller has some devoted fans, and we're so glad you all joined us tonight. Next week is Quattro de Mayo, Drunken, Drunken confessions. confessions. Call in our party line, 323-PEZ-TDPS. Leave your most embarrassing drunken story, and we may play it on the air, and you may win autographed books as always here on the dinner party <laughs> show i'm christopher rice and i'm eric shaw quinn and you've been listening to the dinner party show thanks I've been to a marvelous party.